I think the shortest song that I've like the shortest amount of time I've ever spent like co-writing a song was maybe like an hour and a half like because some of them do fall out of thin air you know I've written some by myself that I thought were great they like fell out of thin air I was like yes and then I listened to it the next day I was like wow that is bad <laughs> like it's funny because you know we put out the really good songs but nobody sees the 50 or 100 bad songs that you wrote to get that one good song <laughs> All right, welcome to The Path Distilled. I'm your host, Kevin Harris. My co-host is Lauren Tashman. Hi, everybody. And today we have country recording artist Garrett Jacobs. Thank you for joining us today, Garrett. Thanks for having me, man. I'm uh, really excited to be here. Awesome. Uh, we're looking forward to hearing your story. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, a little bit about what you do? So um, my name is Garrett Jacobs, and I'm a country artist. And basically that entails everything that you think a country artist would be and a whole lot more too you know so you've got obviously the me who goes and performs on stage and um behind and also the guy that you see like you know on social media doing videos and content and everything like that but behind that there is a whole lot of songwriting and a whole lot of looking into your heart and just kind of seeing where you want to take yourself because with being a country artist, it's like you obviously have people looking at you and you want, like one of my goals is I really want to be a role model for anybody who is looking at me. So it's just being, you have to look introspectively a lot to make sure that your heart is right so that what you're putting out is, um, what you're putting out into the world is good. So you have that side and then the songwriting is just basically going in and pouring your heart on paper with either co-writers or writing by yourself and um just kind of i i kind of make a living off of making stuff up that's what we always <laughs> say <laughs> and um it's honestly it's it's everything i could have ever dreamed of and more i'm i'm really happy to be that god has led me to where i'm at right now to where i can do this you know sure uh, so how did you first get involved in the air or the music uh, domain how did that go yeah um music I, people i've been asked this question before and it's like because usually people have like a certain moment or a certain like person that introduced them to music but I, but for me i can't remember a time that i wasn't singing or like wanting to hear music it was just something that was always in me so i always say that music drew me to music just like as a whole and uh so i say like i've been singing ever since i could talk you know and my mom sang in church when i was really young and i saw her on stage and i thought that that was really cool and that kind of led me into and also i would hear people on the radio and that led me into just what oh hold on my light just went out <laughs> i stepped on the court <laughs> Uh, that kind of scared me. <laughs> but um, yeah, so my mom led worship in church and everything. And seeing her on stage kind of brought me to thinking like, oh, like, you know, you can get in front of people and sing. And um, it's just, it's always been a part of me. Like, that's basically what I'm trying to say. And yeah. I'm sorry, I kind of forgot what I was going to say. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> so I'm curious, uh, were people at this point, when you're young, uh, were you already singing yourself or was it just watching your mom at this point? Oh yeah, no, I would be, um, I would be like eight, I remember like distinctly, I'd be like eight years old playing baseball, warming up in the outfield and humming a song and I'd have my, my teammates looking at me and be like, Eric, shut up, you know? <laughs> and um, I took piano lessons from first to fifth grade and, you know, it was it was cool, but I wasn't learning songs. I was learning out of a book, so it was different. And it was harder for me to get into. And then for my, I was 12 years old, and I asked my parents for a guitar, and uh, um, they got me a guitar for 150 bucks off Craigslist. And we're like, well, here you go. And honestly, once I picked up a guitar, like piano was like behind me because 
guitar is just so much cooler. Like when you're younger and everything, you see the guys like jamming out on guitar and you're like, I want to do that. So um, I got the guitar and kind of set the piano down. And that really opened up to me truly taking singing seriously because when I started learning guitar, I was learning with songs, you know, and things that I could sing along with. So that's really what made me fall in love with that. And uh, yeah. So at this point, did the uh, piano lessons, did they help you at all um, learn the guitar or how did that go? So they're kind of two different animals, but like the learning process was different, but definitely like the foundation of piano was helpful. I'm not good at it now. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> actually, since we've been quarantined and everything, I've been messing around with my piano upstairs and making a couple videos with that and everything. But um, guitar is a different animal and I mainly taught myself like on YouTube. So no formal lessons with the guitar? I had I had six months of like learning the basics so I okay. I think I may have learned like six chords and stuff but really where I started learning was my dad showed me Leonard Skinner mm. he was like Garrett you need to learn to play the blues if you can play Leonard Skinner you can play anything so you know <laughs> one of the first songs I learned was Simple Man Leonard Skinner and then the Ballad of Curtis Lowe and my dad introduced me to like all the 80s rock and everything so he was, sounds like he was of the mindset of start with the challenging stuff and it'll make Absolutely. you better versus That's starting. That's what everybody scene. tries to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I'm, I'm going to go play Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so what were these, what did you say? Uh, what did these early uh, practices look like? How were you going about this? I mean, it was like, really, I just had like a 30 minute lesson or something and I would walk into the room and he usually had a song and um, he would just kind of teach me the chords, how to grab it. Learning the guitar at first was really, you know, just challenging because I was small and my fingers were, they'd hurt on the fretboard. But, but at, just like with everything, practice, you know, makes perfect. And you just keep doing it. And really, ever since I picked up a guitar, like I couldn't put it down. Yeah. I, I knew it was something that I wanted to do. And it's something that you can always learn from. You know, there's so much possibilities on this one instrument it, it's the same with so many instruments but there's something about a guitar and just how intricate it is that um i guess i really find really interesting yeah so once you, you sorry we sometimes mess each other up uh, one so you took these kind of basic guitar lessons and then your dad says you know try this stuff was then your own practice was that you really just trying to learn those songs at first, I, like, I was really trying to learn songs, you know, to impress my dad and impress my family. And then I started leading worship at, you know, my youth group. And that really led me into a different side of, because I was like the head of the youth band and everything. So I had to get everything organized and get all these songs together. And I started learning more just about musical dynamics and everything like that. And just how to not necessarily entertain, but just how to make music and learn to follow the music where it wants to go and everything and then what led me into country music was i was about 15 years old and i was driving home uh it was like 2 a.m i can't remember where i was but i was driving home. no i was 16 because i was driving but, um i was listening to pandora and Whiskey and You by Chris Stapleton came on and at that time i'd been searching for a kind of music that sounded different something that was like real and meant something you know because at that time there wasn't I mean there was obviously good music but I just wanted something real and Whiskey and You by Chris Stapleton came on and I listened to every single word and just like hit me in the chest and I was like this is real music I want to I want to do that so that's what really kind of from then on Chris Stapleton was my favorite and I attribute him and his music to be like the reason that I'm in country music because he led me here and then I just kind of started going at it. So you discovered uh, Stapleton, uh, obviously a great musician, you're making a decision or being drawn to country music. Uh, what happens next on your path at this point? Yeah, like 
you know, so I just continued to dive into everything. And at this time, I'm in school and I didn't have as much time to practice or anything. So kind of fast forward to senior year in high school, I graduate. I was going to be a physical therapist. And like I was going to go to college. I had scholarships and everything like it was laid out. And then uh, God opened up the doors to Nashville. And I was like, whoa, you know, this is a big deal. I've never, um, it's something that I've always wanted to do. It just felt so out of reach. Like there's no way that could happen. Like I was the kid that literally had the dream. Y'all know Mason Ramsey, the kid that was singing in Walmart. Literally, I was thinking the same thing when I was that, when I was that age. Like maybe if I hum to myself in Walmart, somebody will think that I'm good and they'll sign me. And it didn't happen to me, but it happened to him, which I think is hilarious. But <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it was something that I always wanted. And then doors opened up to Nashville. I had a mutual friend, or um, I had a friend that I was getting coffee with, and I was just talking to him about the music and everything and just how it kind of seemed impossible and how I was going to be going to college and everything. And then he was like, well, I have a friend, and she's up in Nashville, and she's pretty connected. And uh, I can introduce y'all and maybe you can work something out and, you know, kind of get up there. So he sets me up with a conference call with the person who's now my manager, Desiree. And we just kind of hit it off. And she looked at me and the first thing she asked was like, so what do you want to do? Because this is like, this is the summer of 2018. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah, there's a picture. Yeah. So that's me and Desiree on, I think, basically the first night that we met. And um, there's baby face carrot. <laughs> um, where was I? Oh, yeah. So it was early July of 2018. And we met up and basically she was like, so what do you want to do? And I honestly had no idea. I was like, I just want to come to Nashville and do music. I have no idea what that looks like. And I need help. And she was like, well, we're going to get you on some rights because obviously if you come to Nashville, you got to write a song or a couple. And then she also said, like, are you wanting to play anywhere? And I'm like, well, I've heard of Whiskey Jam and I've heard that that's really cool. And that's where we're at right now. It's in this picture mm-hmm. is um, we're at Winter's Bar and Grill. And that's they have Whiskey Jam, I think, every Monday and Thursday night. And um, I went there and so, like, Whiskey Jam is a really big deal. Like some people come to town and are there for five years and don't play Whiskey Jam. But Desiree used to sell merch for them. And somehow, like they were able to get me a spot on Whiskey Jam at the end of the set that night. So my first night in Nashville, I played Whiskey Jam, which was insane. And that was kind of like a turning point for me to know that people can actually like want to hear my music that I make and everything and just being on stage and seeing that crowd. and there's a certain air about Nashville that you can't, yeah, that's me at um, Whiskey Jam. And there's like a, there's a certain air about Nashville that kind of captures you. And that that's kind of where I felt it was that night. And that's where I really, um, you know, felt like I needed to stay. And there was a, there was this point that um, when I was driving into Nashville, uh, there's this part where you're coming in through West Nashville and kind of like, the hills don't open up, but you like come through a valley and you see the skyline. And it's when I saw it for the first time, I just got this feeling in my chest, like, holy crap, that's it, you know? And uh, yeah, so that that's kind of where the music took me next was Nashville and getting plugged in there. So I have two questions. One is when Desiree says to you, let's get into songwriting, you know, what did you think about that? Had you tried writing any songs at that point yet what was kind of your thought when she said that <laughs> you're shaking your head no, no <laughs> i, um, I want to hear a little bit too about like that night like what was it like totally. up to that performance yeah so um you know we'd obviously talked over the phone and everything before i came to nashville and she set up rights and everything and i'd never written a song before ever like I mean, I did pretty well in English in school and everything, <laughs> but I never put words about my feelings on paper in the form of music, you know? And so when she presents like, well, you can, you know, you got to go write a song. I'm like, okay, cool. And my first ever write in Nashville was with three like 
signed songwriters who I still love to write with today. Like they're honestly some of my favorite guys to write with. I met my person who now produces my music, Jason Massey. He was on that, right? And um, Abram Dean, who's now my roommate. Um, <laughs> like I, I met him in that, right? And then Michael Whitworth, who's one of my good friends uh, in Nashville too. And we proceeded to write this song that um, was ended up being my first single that I ever put out as an artist called The Healing. So my first ever <laughs> Nashville co-write ended up being my first song that I ever put out. And um, when I talked to the co-writers now, they said, uh, they were like, you were so nervous. <laughs> I asked them, I was like, so like, was I really? And they were like, dude, you were, you were out of it. Like you had no idea what was going on. But I came in with, um, with the idea and I was like, you know, I have this song idea called The Healing. And I really wanted, I really love the process of things no matter what it is. So I wanted to write a song about like the healing process and kind of growing from when somebody leaves and like your heart healing and everything. And they were like, I love it. And thank God to those guys that we pulled together that song and everything. And um, that kind of, that day, I'm pretty sure it was, I think it was July 6th of 2018. That's when I fell in love with songwriting was that even though I was scared out of my mind because I had no business being in that room. And uh, I was just there because Desiree and Abram were good friends. And she was like, there's this artist. I have no idea if he's good. Do you want to try him out? They were like, yeah, sure. And uh, I'm really thankful that they did. Wow. And so that's uh, the, really the epitomizes the, uh, you know, you always hear the story that people laugh because people think they'll, come to Nashville, get on stage the first night they're there uh, and write a song the first day they're there. And you actually were able to do that. So. I did. It was wild. <laughs> yeah. So uh, do you have a question? Well, yeah. I just what that, what that first night was like, you know, you're at this, this kind of major venue in Nashville, basically what sounds like kind of auditioning in some ways, obviously tell yeah. us a little bit about leading up to that and then what it was like on stage. Oh yeah, it was for sure. Um, like now that I think about it, it, it kind of was like an audition for Nashville because you know nobody, absolutely no one knew who I was. And um, one, I was way too young to be in there. I was like eighteen, <laughs> so they had to put X's on my hand. But um, I'm pretty sure it was my first time I'd ever been in a bar. And I walked in and I was like, oh, this is this is kind of cool and everything. But I, I again, I was a super like green wide-eyed kid I mean I still am like I've still got a bunch to learn but I walked in there and just the atmosphere itself felt good and then being on stage with that um I played song like I had because with Whiskey Jam it's all original music you know you don't really play covers there so I had a couple songs that I'd like written before I just never co-written and but these songs like they weren't good <laughs> they were so bad <laughs> but um like people's heads were still bobbing and everything so it was good but honestly it was just it was really surreal to be on stage in Nashville for the first time you know it was great yeah so what happens next so um that next year just entailed a whole lot of songwriting you know I, I can attribute, because in that year from 18 to 19, I had a lot of personal growth that happened. And I really attribute a lot of that to the songwriting process. You know, in that, I wasn't living in Nashville at that time um, when I took that first trip, but I wrote The Healing and I wrote another song that um, isn't released yet about four days apart from each other. And that song will forever be a part of me and I can't wait until it's out. But um, like that week happened and you know, I came home to Louisiana and the only thing on my mind was like, how am I gonna get to Nashville? How am I gonna get to Nashville? And I had a friend call me and he was like, hey, are you trying to move to Nashville? And I was like, yeah, how did you know? And he was like, oh, well, our moms have been talking about it and everything because <laughs> our moms are friends. So um, he was like, well, I need a roommate if, if, you're, if 
you know, you're trying to get up here. So literally, I think that July 5th was my first day ever in Nashville. And I moved to Nashville on August 28th. I think that was it. So it was like a month, two months in between that span of time. And I was there and I was like, wow. You know, it's, it's just like, it's been so prevalent that God has been opening doors and leading me where I need to go and everything. And I'm super thankful for that because at that time I was unsure about a lot, but when a door opened, I just kind of stepped through it because I didn't really know what else to do. And um, I moved to Nashville and just started writing song after song after song and that attributed and, and meeting a lot of new people too, you know, like going to songwriter rounds and meeting them and, and, going through all of this, I was so, like, I was open and excited to everything, but at the same time, I'm an 18-year-old kid who has no idea who he is yet, and is just trying to do something, you know, I would walk into a room, and I felt like everybody was staring at me, because nobody knew who I was, you know, (laughs) and it's just like, I'd go to ride-arounds and meet these amazing songwriters, and just getting plugged in the community, you know, the Nashville community is something that is amazing because the people there are just so welcoming. And a lot of times you hear about the music industry being cutthroat. And there is a lot of that on the business side of things. But in Nashville, a lot of the business is just about being a good person. You know, it, being a good person goes such a long way. And you meet these songwriters and a lot of them end up being your really good friends that, you know, you can go in have lunch or dinner with and just talk about life you know you'll walk into a writing room and you may not write a song for the first two hours because you're just catching up and you haven't seen each other in forever so kind of to boil it all down that following year after I moved to Nashville was a lot of me figuring myself out I mean I'm still doing it I feel like we all are constantly growing but just kind of getting my feet wet in Nashville and you know maturing as a songwriter and um just learning so was there a a moment that you started to feel traction building uh momentum building what was that like that was um so we wrote that song the healing and then i think it was in december i was having a talk with desiree my manager and we were just talking about music because i've been writing all these songs and it's like well i really i really want to put something out for people to hear you know that's kind of why i'm doing this (laughs) and um and she was and i was like because i it it was kind of funny because i'd been waiting on her to be like you know but like which song is good enough that's what i've been waiting from her and she'd been waiting on me to be like (laughs) what song do you want to cut you know because they're good I was like, oh shoot, well, um, and that conversation kind of happened and I was like, well, I love the healing. Like, can we do that? And she was like, all right, let's do the healing. So I was like, oh, that's all it takes, sweet. So I went in with, with Massey and, uh, you know, we recorded the song. Actually, a lot of that song is the demo vocal from the day that we wrote the song. Like a, a lot of my voice on that song is from the day we wrote it. And then I went in and sang over it a couple more times. And then uh, we put that song out on my birthday, January 26th. I turned 19 and we put that song out. And that was, and actually I think that somehow we got to celebrate and we went to Winter's Bar or whatever. And obviously I couldn't drink because I'm 19 but we got to celebrate there. So it was kind of a full circle moment because that was my first place I ever performed. And then we, um, we dropped a single and we went out and celebrated there. And seeing that, like seeing my name on iTunes or Spotify was, um, it was definitely something that I'll never forget because it's my art that's out there in the world. And now it's like, what is, what is the world gonna think of it? And since then, I've had so many people like message me or um, just comment on pictures or something talking about how that song has helped them, you know, through whatever time they're going through or just how it made their day better. And still I have people say like, I just heard this song for the first time and it's exactly what I needed. And 
seeing things like that um, kind of really lets me know that I'm in the right business and, I, and I'm definitely doing the thing that God created me to do. That's you had awesome. mentioned that um, you're, before all this, you had thought, I'm going to go to try and be a physical therapist. When did you let go of that? Did that, was that a decision that you kind of went away from before you even went to Nashville that first time? Tell us a little bit about that. I think so. You know, it's funny because usually people go to college and then like that is their fallback when they go to Nashville. But for me, my thought process, like being a physical therapist is something that I just figured I would love because I love people and I love helping people. And um, like, I love sports and everything and just the rehab process. Like I kind of wanted to make that a thing. And, but when I graduated high school, I just had this tongue in my heart, like, you know, music is what you want to do. You know, music is what you want to do. And um, yeah, so it kind of turned into, I'm going to go headfirst into this music thing. And if it doesn't work out, I guess I can always go back to college. <laughs> so it was kind of reversed for me. It was like college was the fallback. Have you reached a point where you're starting to, did you ever feel personally that, um, you could say I'm starting to make it or I'm making it. Um, has that happened yet? Um, or do you still feel like there's too much to do? There's always too much to do in Nashville. I mean, like, I, like I said, I love the process of everything. And one thing that I've really focused on in my career is enjoying the process in whatever it is and not getting too caught up in what's coming. Cause it's really easy to think about what you're going to do next. Mm. But when you hit those milestones, like I've put out, I think five singles now as an art, that's crazy to say, wow. but uh, yeah, I've put out either four or five singles and um, enjoying those milestones when you hit them is a really big thing. So I guess you could say, I mean, I'm not making it yet, but at the same time, making it doesn't ever happen all at once. You see these artists coming up, like come up and all of a sudden they're on top of the world and everybody's like, where did this person come from? You know, but nobody sees that they've been working for 10, 15 years before that happened, you know? So it's a grind and honestly, the main thing that I can say about growth and like having traction and everything is I'm just happy to be in Nashville and be constantly meeting new people and just writing, experiencing myself and experiencing more music. And I think all of that is a process of making it, you know, like Chris Stapleton, for example, he was a songwriter for like 15, 20, 25 years. I don't know exactly how long, but he wrote songs forever before his artist thing came out. And then everybody flipped out over it. Like everybody who isn't in the music industry is like, who is this person and where have they been my entire life? Cause they're amazing. You know, same thing with Luke Combs. Like he came out of the blue too, but he'd been writing songs forever before then. So a lot of it is just, you know, every day you're making it, you're trying to make it happen. You know, and I think that's the main point in that. It's just, it's kind of an everyday thing. Sure. Tell us about that every day. What is what do days look like for you, and what do you find easy versus more challenging? A lot of it is self discipline because I am technically self employed. So it's either you wake up and you do your dailies and everything, and then you. A lot of times I'll have a songwriting session, so I'll go meet up with songwriters that I know or songwriters that I've never met before. And we'll get together and be more vulnerable than a lot of people are comfortable with being vulnerable, talking about, you know, what's going on in your heart and everything. And then you write a song with people that you might not even know. But after that, you've got new friends and you've got a song. And um, so there are some days that go like that. And then um, there are other days where I'll have meetings or something where I'm either, you know, meeting with people just to get advice or meeting with new songwriters, or um, like recently we've been talking to, um, you know, publishing companies and stuff like that. Just, you know, kind of getting that conversation started. 
And um, on top of that, all of this encompassing, you have um, like strategy at the same time because you're writing these songs and you like I'll have, I probably have between like four and five actual like meetings with Desiree a week, just kind of sitting down, like, what are we going to do? How do you want to, you know, release this and everything? Because I want to do something that's different. I don't want to just like, you know, the standard thing is like, you know, just kind of say, like post out on your socials, like, hey, I'm dropping a song on Friday, you know, a couple of days before, and then you go listen. But I love people and I love connecting with people. So I'm trying, like, I've been trying to figure out how I can do that with my fans online. And one one strategy that we use with that was um, with my single, Just Like You, we sent everybody on like a scavenger hunt through my socials to um, go and find clues and kind of guess about what was coming. And some of the clues led to the music video that we had for the song and other clues led to the title or the release date or stuff like that. So all of it is a whole bunch of dysfunctionality that you're just trying to make something up to um, make people happy, honestly. (laughs) That's basically what a day consists of. (laughs) And then there are other days where everything kind of slows down for a little bit and you can either let those days be you know days where you kind of slack off or you can make those days productive and one thing that I like to do with those days is sit down with myself and like I'll get a notebook and just write song ideas for I don't know how long because you know when I go into a write I want to have something or like I mean as a creative we got a lot of feelings (laughs) so you kind of have to figure them out first and then you know you go into a room write a song and sometimes they hit you out of the blue and then you take out your notes section and you scroll and type in or whatever but I my notes section in my phone is so long but um (laughs) yeah it's either so to kind of nail it all down it's either songwriting meetings more meetings or um ideas you know figuring yourself out and that made me wonder um have you ever had a song that you felt just kind of wrote itself or that just came out almost intact has that ever happened to you i've had a couple of them i've definitely had ideas that i knew exactly where they wanted to go but you know i think the shortest song that i've like the shortest amount of time I've ever spent like co-writing a song was maybe like an hour and a half. Like, cause, cause some of them do fall out of thin air. You know, I've written some by myself that I thought were great. They like fell out of thin air. I was like, yes. And then I listened to it the next day. I was like, wow, that is bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's funny because, you know, we put out the really good songs, but nobody sees the 50 or a hundred bad songs that you wrote to get that one good song, <laughs> you know? But so what do you view as the keys to your success the keys to my success so um my dad when I was younger he gave like he literally gave me this list you know he was in the military and he kind of worked in the police academy there and everything like security forces and he said Gary there's four keys to success show up pay attention ask questions and never and never quit you know, and a lot of it is just constantly being there. Like the first one, show up. And that's just, you can't do anything if you're not there. And that can be mentally, physically, you know, emotionally, spiritually. And um, a lot of days you don't want to, you know, but it's kind of getting out of bed, putting your feet on the floor and going after it and come picking yourself up by our bootstraps, you know? And then with the pay attention thing, it's like, that's, um, when I was younger, I looked at that as just like if somebody was giving me directions or whatever, but I've kind of grown into seeing that as paying attention to what you see around you, especially in the world and, um, how you think about it and everything. When you see things that you, um, a lot of this I'm applying to a, songwriting process because that's really the basis of what I do 
but um, you're paying attention and you're looking at the world around you and you see something that kind of makes you tilt your head and then you start to think and you start to ask yourself questions about it. And um, that leads you into you know, the song ideas and everything. And obviously the last one, Never Quit, is you know, just the thing that keeps me going every day. So, yeah. And then on top of that, having an amazing manager, Desiree, who sits there and <laughs> is on my tail whenever I'm slacking up. Is she in the corner making sure that you say that? <laughs> no, she's not. <laughs> but, um, yeah, a lot. And then on top of that, like, one thing that I have really learned is that I am human in this process. So the main key is just, you know, relying on Jesus. That's one thing that I really had to lean on through all of this because it is hard. And like, I'm somebody who can be really hard on myself, especially, you know, if I'm not writing the way that I want to, or like, I've had times where I have conversations and I don't even feel like me, like, I just feel like my mind's somewhere else, you know? So I've, I've really been focusing on being intentional in that. And then just leaning on God because we're human and we can't handle everything that this world is you know that's the main thing and and you can't forget that and if you have that no matter where you're at like you are going to be grounded you know where whatever it is whatever problems you face you're going to be good so that's mainly what I do when you get into a challenging kind of mindset or headspace like that how quickly are you able to shift to that perspective as quickly as I allow myself, I'll say that, because there are some times where it's really easy to sit in it and just um, like either criticize your own creativity before it even happens. Or, um, and then there are other times, there are other times when uh, you just kind of have to go for it and kind of give yourself a pep talk, you know, and be like, you're out here, you're in Nashville you're doing this. Why are you so hard on yourself? You know, I mean, I'm 20 years old and sometimes I feel like I have to make everything happen now. And then I've had so many people tell me like, bro, you're young, <laughs> chill out. You know, that's the main thing that I'm working on right now, especially in quarantine and just like obviously being stir crazy. You know, I'm in Louisiana. I really wish I could be in Nashville right now. But the main thing is just like, chill out. You don't have, and you don't have to stress out so much, you know? You just have to go and do it. You're going to wake up tomorrow and life's going to go on and you just have to be there and go through it and everything's going to work out fine. It worked out before. It's going to work out now, you know. And this is probably an obvious, a question with an obvious answer, but I've noticed in my projects that I've worked on that the more eyeballs that I have on it, the more pressure I feel. Uh, did you find the same thing? Did you feel that that pressure had grown with your audience getting larger? Um, growing up, I was a big people pleaser. I wanted, I like, I lived for people's approval and everything. And there's still a healthy aspect of that in me. But I've also grown to know that this is my art and this is what I love. And I'm going to put it out into the world. And there are going to be people that like it. I can't control how many people like it, but there's going to be somebody that likes it and somebody that feels it, you know? And with that, you know, I believe that those are the people that I was put on this earth to, you know, connect with and just kind of like, I kind of look at it as just serving, you know, I serve by giving people songs so that they can, feel or be happy or whatever they want you know so um yeah do you think that viewpoint ties back to kind of your origin which was watching your mom do this in the church setting um i guess so you were mentioning kind of feeling like, you know, the perspective of, of feeling like you do this to serve others. And then it, I was curious as to, from in my brain, linking it back to the origin of this, which was seeing your mom performing for mm -hmm. others yeah. in a church setting, right? Which is, yeah. is serving yeah. others, right? Creating totally. experience. I, I mean, that that definitely has a part in it. But then also, I just truly believe that, obviously, everybody was put on this earth for a purpose, you know, 
And sometimes it's hard to find what that purpose is, but by like, you know, God's led me here. So right now that's my purpose, you know, and your purpose can change depending on what state of life, like stage of life you're in or anything. But right now, like that's how I'm trying to serve others. And then you can serve others like in your everyday life too, like actually smiling at somebody when they look at you, you know, I, I've one thing I've really been trying to work on right now is being intentional with people and just kind of showing them love in the smallest of ways. Because like I said earlier, like this world is tough and it's hard and you have no idea what people are going through. So being intentional and a lot of kindness or a little kindness goes a long way. So, um, so what advice would you give an aspiring performer um, in the music industry or songwriter? The first thing that you have to do is just be authentic. Like once you find who you are, you know, like don't let go of that because that is something that nobody can take from you. That is you. So when you find that, you hold on to it and then you let that, you know, authenticity create, you know, the music that you want to make. And then like when you're on stage performing and everything, one thing that I had to get past was like, I think something everybody has to is like a little bit of stage fright and everything. And especially being at the place where, you know, you're putting out music and you have shows happening and like people are coming to shows and everything. A lot of times it's easy to get nervous, but then when you realize that like all that anybody's there for is to have a good time, nobody is waiting for you to mess up. You know, that's one thing that I had to get past was nobody is looking for you to mess up they're just looking to see you do good you know and especially in the songwriting process too it's like nobody's sitting there and being like so how bad is this song going to be they're like man I really want this to be a good one you know like when you present somebody a song that you just wrote and you're like what do you think about this it's like handing them your baby and it's like <laughs> tell me tell me if it's ugly or not <laughs> yeah so have you ever, oh, go ahead, Laura. Sorry, I just piqued my interest because you mentioned, you know, all the things you do to invest time in, in songwriting and kind of building your brand and, and that type of thing. Do you still spend time, you know, practicing the guitar or working on vocals, you know, practicing to perform? Every day, every single day, I always find time to pick up a guitar. One thing that I've learned is just, if you leave it out, you know, whether you have a stand or if it's not like right now, it's literally, hold on, can you see? Yeah, it's yeah, right there. That's my guitar. And if you just leave it out, like you'll find yourself walking past it and you'll pick it up and you'll start playing, you know, and that's how you either find new sounds that you like on it or just get more familiar with it. And then vocally, um, I don't think there's a day that goes by that I don't think about vocals and vocal technique and practicing that just in the back of my mind you know and um it's kind of crazy how much of a part of me it's become it's it's just so like I don't necessarily have to think about it I'm constantly trying to find ways like with my voice to find what's comfortable when I sing to make things like easier and sound better you know and just constantly pushing myself to um be a better vocalist because I used to not be the best one and then the work began. <laughs> yeah, I was curious earlier, um, have you yet to encounter a crowd the size made you, uh, or any crowd, I guess, it doesn't matter the size, have you had your breath taken away having to step out in front of a crowd? My breath gets taken away beforehand, like right before I step on stage. And then like when I get up to the mic and, you know, the drums start or, or, you know, the song starts, I feel like I can finally breathe again. Like it's like I said earlier, like I'm really hard on myself. So like anticipation, like I, I get in my own head a lot. And then the second I step on stage, it's like everything is exactly the way that it's supposed to be. You know, like I'm where I'm supposed to be. So I've like when I played Texas Club in Baton Rouge, 
that was that was pretty wild. I was opening for Muscadine Bloodline, and um, just the history of that place was 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 pretty wild. And you know, you look around, and the wall is covered with plaques of everyone that has played there. And it was my first time playing there, and it's it's kind it's like the country venue in Louisiana to play. And when I played that. It was a, uh, it was pretty surreal, and it was a really fun night too. As soon as I got on stage and everything, but yeah. So I think the main there. I don't know if there's been a crowd yet. There's definitely been ones that I look out at, and I'm like, man, that's a lot of people. Or sometimes you look out and you're like, man, that's not a lot of people. <laughs> that makes me <laughs> more people? nervous. <laughs> I, I, th- I think it's the small crowds that make me more nervous than the big crowds. For being honest. <laughs> What about walking off stage? So you, you're done, you've performed. What happens in your mind or what happens to you when you're walking off the stage? Um, at first, okay, so my biggest memory of like that time after walking off stage was I, I opened up for Riley Green at the Red in Ruston, which is like right up the road. It's like an hour um, east from me, from me right now. I'm in Shreveport or I'm in Bossier City. And Rustin is that way. And um, like I I had an hour long set and a lot of the people in the crowd, you know, I knew I either went to high school with them and because that was the college I was going to go to. And I ended up not going, but I knew a bunch of people in the crowd and the crowd was really close to the stage and I didn't have in-ears. So everything was super loud, <laughs> but um, like the crowd was so loud at that place too. And that show was just mind blowing. And I stepped off stage from that show and I was just like, it felt like I was floating. Like I had like everything, like I wasn't even in my own body. It was now my ears were ringing so bad. I couldn't even, (laughs) I have any ears now, but (laughs) my ears were ringing so bad. And the only thing that I can remember is like Desiree coming up to me and being like, cause that was like one of, that was my first show as an artist like as here I am I'm Garrett Jacobs I'm a country artist and that was my first show you know so I stepped off stage and Desiree was like that was so good and I was like I can't hear you (laughs) (laughs) um yeah like that that's probably an experience that I'll always remember is stepping off that stage so one of uh, the lingering questions that uh, our background is studying expertise. And one of the questions that um, has always been around, I guess, since humankind is nature versus nurture. Uh, An extreme view of nature would be one is born with um, an ability or certain talents. An extreme uh, nurture view uh, would be an environmental view that people, it's more important to put work in uh, to be able to do something. And of course, there's all the combinations in the middle um where would you fall on that um, spectrum would you and particularly if you put a percentage to it um what is your take on that yeah I understand what you're saying I think that um I definitely believe it's both you know God instills um talents and purposes in everyone but at the same time we have free will to where we can make our own choices and everything but I believe that um the way God makes our hearts and with the um the you know way that we're made and everything that kind of influences the choices that we make and then he also leads us on the path that you know we're supposed to go and all things work for the good of those who love him you know so I definitely believe I'd say it's honestly 50 50 you know you've got you know, the nature of how you're born. And like with me, I just had the call of music. That was what I knew. You know, it might be some, it might be different for somebody where somebody finds something that they love a lot later in life, but that's something that I always love. I just didn't always believe that it was going to happen. And then, um, you know, so that was the nature. And then the nurture kind of led me into singing and growing as an artist and just, you know, learning and getting my first guitar, you know, 
playing my first song for my mom while she videoed it and put it on Facebook. You know, those little things. That's a, that's a, that's a lot of the nurturing. And um, I think it's a combination that uh, leads us to where we are and where we're supposed to go. Uh, anything that we have not asked that you feel is important to your story? I love open-ended questions like this so much to where like sometimes I don't know what to, what I want to say because there's always more to say you know but um I mean I don't know if I necessarily have anything more okay uh, what's the biggest takeaway from your story the biggest takeaway is that even when you feel like you have no idea what's going on you don't necessarily have to worry about it because like I believe that you know, there's somebody bigger in charge. And that is kind of how I navigate through all of this, you know, especially like with this situation we're in right now being quarantined. Um, a lot of this has thrown a wrench in the plans that I had for this spring, which I had a lot of things going on this spring. I had a lot of meetings that were going to happen and I'm still dropping music, but those releases don't look anything like they were supposed to, you know, but, um, you know, God always has a plan and he's always working, even in the stillness, even in the waiting. So, um, like, just don't get impatient when it doesn't necessarily feel like something's happening. You know, just keep working, wake up every day and just keep your nose on the grindstone. Well, Garrett Jacobs, uh, we thank you so much for joining us. We enjoyed uh, listening to your story. It's a fascinating one. And uh, again, I hope our listeners will uh, check out your music if they haven't already oh yeah thank you so much for having me on here man like i said i love podcasts i love just talking i love this this was a lot of fun thank y'all for having me thank you the path distilled is hosted by kevin harris and lauren tashman created and produced by kevin harris the content is copyrighted by the path distilled all right preserved. <laughs>